This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. For the first three quarters of 2008, Brazil's economy grew at a robust rate of more than 6%. As the world financial crisis takes its toll, signs have begun to appear that business in Brazil could run into trouble. The Bavispa stock market index has been volatile, and falling commodity prices have eroded export earnings. How will Brazil fare during the coming months? To answer this question, Knowledge at Wharton interviewed leaders from industries ranging from petrochemicals and telecommunications to banking, real estate, and manufacturing. In this special report, CEOs and other experts share their insights into what's in store for Brazil. Our guest today is Arminio Fraga, founder of Gavia Investmentos. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Delighted. Uh, the, uh, the question on everyone's mind these days is what's going on with the world financial system. I'd love to know your views on what's going on, what caused it, and what the impact is on Brazil's economy. Okay. Uh, the short version is uh, the world went through some very happy times. Uh, there was a lot of growth, uh, prosperity. The five years that ended in 2007 were years, uh, were special years in, in the world's economic history. But uh, as often tends to be the case, uh, uh, got carried away there was you know quite a bit of borrowing uh, quite a bit of uh, sort of consumption driven borrowing to be more precise uh, there was also uh, as a result of all this an impact on on, on many asset prices in particular on on, on US real estate um, as such things tend to to happen, this uh, uh, came to an end, and what we're now going through is basically the the unwind of this great uh, uh, this great run. It is a process of deleveraging, often of forced uh, deleveraging, very unpleasant, very much like a, a hangover after you know a fantastic party. Is the hangover over? Or is it still? Uh, is uh, are we still going to hit bottom sometime down the road? Uh, so this past weekend was a, was a was an important one. There were uh, high expectations about what the major countries of uh, Europe and the U.S. were going to do, and uh, governments came out and, and made a strong commitment to uh, basically guarantee everything that had uh, you know. Any, any degree of importance for, for these economies and also to inject uh, uh, a significant amount of capital into the main financial institutions. So it may be that we have now uh, been able to, uh, uh, at this point, avoid the most extreme negative scenarios. But uh, in my mind, we're still going to have to deal with uh, a slowdown, a recession, um, Unemployment is likely to go up across these regions and other parts of the world as, as well. And um, you know, some of the uh, of the important prices in, in these economies haven't yet adjusted. So, while the say depression type 
uh, scenarios um, may be now much less likely than they were. And, and in this regards, we're in many ways acting according to the lessons learned from the Great Depression. Uh, there's still plenty of work to do. There's still, uh, unfortunately, I believe, uh, quite a bit of pain uh, uh, and therefore sort of headaches uh, down the road. What, what, what do you think of the remedies that have been prescribed for the headaches and what else could be done? Uh, the remedies were, were uh, primarily, uh, uh, have so far primarily targeted uh, the, the, the functioning of the financial system. And if we keep this analogy, you know, with the, uh, with the hangover and so on, um, the threat that we were facing was one of uh, the financial system stopping, coming to a halt. And in many ways, it's kind of like the blood that circulates in our bodies coming to stop, you know, stop flowing. And so the remedies were, have been so far geared, geared towards uh, fixing this. Um, and, you know, it's a bit early to tell, but uh, so far so good. It has been a long process, perhaps too long, and and often one had the feeling along the way that uh, you know the authorities all all over the world were somewhat uh, behind the curve. So the problem that is being managed is is uh, of of uh, amazingly large uh, proportions. Now there are some things that haven't been addressed. Um, I do think uh, as real estate prices in the U.S. go down towards say their historical trend, uh, and that assuming, of course, that they, that they don't overshoot and go below their historical trend, which is a possibility. Um, there, is a, 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 there, there are other problems that are going to have to be managed. For, for instance, a, a, a large number of uh, foreclosures that are very inefficient uh, and so on. Another way uh, uh, to think about this is um, while the lenders may be better capitalized than they were a few weeks ago. Um, the borrowers are probably not in, in that great a shape. So even if, if the lenders um, uh, get back on their feet and the money starts flowing a bit in the system uh, and this tremendous absence of confidence is more than a lack of confidence sort of subsides, there's still the issue of, of, of how, how the borrowers are gonna are gonna look like, uh, you know, with higher unemployment and and, and lots of debt still on their on their uh, balance sheets. So, what could be done about that? Part yeah, of that, that 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 is a, is a more complicated issue. Um, it's not just you know going going around uh, looking at financial institutions, sort of auditing them and. Uh, you know, coming up with uh, uh, the, the appropriate uh, amount of capital uh, with all the uh, necessary uh, features that have been discussed and now voted into law. On, on the borrower side, um, you're now dealing with uh, the sanctity of contracts, um, incentives uh, across, you know, a, a diverse a uh, uh, number of actors, regions, and so on. And I, I'm not a specialist. I'm, I'm sure uh, there are quite a few folks at, at Wharton that could, uh, could come up with, the, with a good plan. I hope they're 
they're engaged in this uh, discussion is a very, very important one. What kind of structural changes do you think are required to prevent such a crisis happening again? Uh, this is, a, is an ongoing debate. At the moment, uh, uh, it isn't on the forefront uh, of, uh, of the action, largely because, you know, we're still in, in, in crisis mode. But I think soon this will be uh, discussed. And we seem to be converging towards a, a world of very large financial institutions uh, at the core in most countries. They're all going to be too big to fail, and I believe they will uh, uh, be subject to quite a bit more regulation than uh, what we've had uh, so far. Um, the issues that come to mind are uh, uh, the following. Uh, I believe capital uh, uh, ratios are going to go up. More capital is going to be demanded of such institutions. I believe uh, uh, funding risks are going to be also addressed and probably regulated as well. Uh, just in plain English, uh, you know, the big, uh, big real, the, the reliance on short-term funding will be uh, uh, curved. I also believe we have gone through a period of massive uh, failures in risk management and governance in the financial sector, and, and, and I'm, I'm puzzled by this some of the things that were done, uh, the amount of leverage that was used in some cases. It is surprising to me that this is something that must be regulated, but I, 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 I'm convinced it must. Uh, many players in the system benefit from uh, the, uh, implicit or explicit insurance mechanisms that are provided at a low cost and, 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 and you know, the so-called moral hazard that um, uh, comes out of this uh, has to be dealt with uh, through uh, regulation. Uh, and, and, and I think there are also issues of infrastructure in the system, uh, whether uh, more uh, contracts will have to uh, move to uh, sort of exchange or clearinghouse uh, environments, um, and, 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 and quite a bit more. I don't quite have a full list in, in my head right now, but these are a few that, that I believe should be at the top of the list. You know, conventional wisdom is that when the market is this depressed, usually there are some buying opportunities. Uh, are there any that you think are interesting these days? Yes, I do think so. Uh, um, I, I, uh, both in in the equity universe and in, in in the credit universe, I'm sure there are. I'm not a mortgage specialist, but I'm told that uh, you know in in the in in that uh, world. Um, Quite a few securities already price uh, very high default rates that may not materialize. Those are difficult uh, for for the the, the non-specialist or the uh, typical investor, uh, but they're there. And the and probably the easier ones are, are uh, in in the world of stocks. And uh, here uh, I, I know one can do no better than uh, repeat what Warren Buffett has been saying. That is, you know, if you buy. Good businesses with good management at a good price, businesses that have you know a good uh, 
a good profit margin and that they don't have uh, uh, much leverage. And certainly if you, if you don't use leverage to buy, this is probably a good moment to, uh, to start looking around, uh, yes. Although I wouldn't expect uh, instant gratification. This is for the, the long-term uh, investor and one that can put up with uh, some volatility. I wonder if you could turn a little bit to your background now. You've been described as the Alan Greenspan of Latin America for the way you managed monetary policy during your tenure as the president of the Central Bank of Brazil from 1999 to 2002. What were the economic conditions like when you took office and how did it influence the way you formulated policy? Um, I, I, I took office uh, in, in early 99 after the, the real this is the Brazil Brazil's currency was was forced uh, to float so it was a managed exchange rate regime and the currency uh, uh, peg could not be uh, uh, defended uh, that meant uh, that Brazil had to look for some other form of say stabilizing prices some anchors we like to call it uh, in, 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 the, in the you know the more formal uh, circles and uh, and we decided at that point uh, to um, not to go back to a, to an exchange rate anchor. These had been uh, frustrating for us and many other countries actually in Latin America and Asia over the years, even in Europe. And um, uh, as a result, we had to look for something else, and we we decided to um, adopt uh, inflation targeting. In a, in a formal way, very much like uh, one sees in the Bank of England, uh, in, in Sweden, um, in New Zealand, and, and quite a few others now. And that's what we did. Uh, it was done in stages, um, and, and it worked out well. It also worked because the government um, had already been working on, on uh, strengthening the, the fiscal regime, basically on, on fixing the budget deficit, uh, turning it into a you know, a more sustainable uh, uh, fiscal situation. And, and also, because uh, at that point, uh, our banking system was was in pretty good shape. Uh, Brazil had had a banking crisis some years before, and, and it was uh, was well-managed. Uh, and, and so all, all of those together um, uh, ended up, uh, you know, doing well for, for Brazil. Um, that's basically the, the, the short version. Maybe the two-hour version, but, but <laughs> with the 2020 hindsight, is there anything you would have done differently? Uh, little things, but I think the big picture uh, is one that has is still here. You know, it's still one of uh, of this tripod, as we say here, of, of fiscal responsibility, floating exchange rate, and inflation targeting, and this has worked well for us, and uh, that I wouldn't change. Uh, of course, uh, I would be silly if I had a chance to go back, not to change and tweak a few things here and there, but the big, the, the big structure wouldn't change. That's great. Now, you served under two administrations, the DiMello administration as well as the Cordoso administration. Yes. What did that teach you about the possibilities and limits of reform? The, the, my first time around, I was one of the well in the well, in the states would be always one of the governors at the at the central bank, and uh, those were were really were crazy times. Um, Brazil was in, in had, was dealing at that point with a hyperinflation 
Brazil was in default on its uh, foreign debt uh, and so on. There was quite a quite a lot uh, to do. Those were were, were were difficult moments, and we we set out with a reform agenda that was was pretty ambitious. Um, that included stabilizing, you know, the currency and, and getting rid of inflation and fixing the budget and, and starting a privatization program and so on and opening the economy. Uh, and we were moving along um, when we were hit by a political crisis. You may recall there was a, 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 an, an administration uh, that ended up getting in, into deep trouble and, and, and the president ended up being impeached. So um, the the second half of my of, of of my time in government in those days was very frustrating. We were basically just making sure things didn't didn't blow up. Was playing defense, waiting for the decision of this impeachment vote. Um, it was a, 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 a time where we kind of had to all sort of hang in there. Uh, most of us, if not all of us, wanted to leave. We looked at, like things were pretty bad, uh, and we all agreed to stay uh, until the vote, and then we, would, we were going to leave regardless of the outcome, which we did. And uh, so that was more of a, of, a, of a playing defense type of an experience, but it, it, it helped me a lot when, when I came back, now as the chairman of the bank, uh, you know, some years later, and the second time around, even though uh, it was again uh, under under difficult circumstances, we had uh, a strong government with strong leadership, and we were we were able to do quite a lot. Um, and and we had uh, uh, some years of of uh, a couple years of reasonably quiet uh, kind of global uh, sort of economic conditions. And we pursued, you know, a pretty good, uh, uh, pretty good agenda of reforms. Later on, uh, the world kind of turned around, and, and we were back into crisis mode. First, you know, there was the Nasdaq crash, Argentina's uh, uh, troubles, and uh, and so on. And then, even worse, towards the end, uh, there was a confidence crisis that was also politically politically driven. Uh, that happened when um, the opposition, the then opposition of Mr. Lula, started to rise in the polls, and um, and, and and markets panicked completely. Um, luckily for Brazil, uh, President Lula turned out to be very pragmatic and has since then done, a, you know, a, a good job, and things have kind of gotten back back on track, and you know, with the help of the global boom that we mentioned that I mentioned earlier you know Brazil has had quite a quite a good run but um, anyway that's sort of the just a couple more questions sure. you wrote an influential article called Fork in the Road some time ago uh, based on that could you comment on how Latin American economies should manage the trade-off between populism and reform um, you know the the thing that's always surprised me about uh, populism, populism, has not been uh, the let's call it the supply of populism, the su- the, 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 the 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 seemingly ab- abundant supply of populist politicians. 
you find them everywhere, you know. And uh, we're not uh, any different than most countries in that respect. What has been surprising for us in Latin America over the years is, is that um, despite the, the terrible results that these sorts of policies have delivered for the people of, 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 of the countries in our region, somehow they keep on getting elected. And uh, that has been the most puzzling thing. And, and I, I, I wrote that article a while back, but uh, the thinking then was, are, are we going to make the right decision and, and, and do the right thing uh, and kind of toughen up and do some things that in the short term are not exactly easy. Some reforms are tough. Uh, but then derive, you know, sustained long-term uh, benefits. And um, I think that's what I was alluding to, but quite frankly, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Uh, I wrote a couple of things along those lines. I wrote one also called, uh, uh, it's in the Journal of Economic Perspectives uh, on Latin America after I left the government. But that, that's been a, that has been the tendency. I, I, I think in South America now, we, we, we're seeing, uh, uh, again, countries facing a sort of fork on the road. Uh, the region is, 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 is very heterogeneous, very split. You see some countries uh, where you have populist leaders uh, like Venezuela, Ecuador, Bolivia, um, even to some extent Argentina. And then you have uh, others like uh, Brazil, Brazil or Colombia or Chile, where where there there you see less populism. There are, there are always traces of populism everywhere, greater degree uh, in, in some countries, a smaller degree in others. But uh, we really haven't conquered that uh, uh, that uh, long. Uh, long uh, enemy of ours uh, yes, is still not, there. Not, not, not easy. No. Uh, Joseph Stiglitz is uh, believed to have recommended you for the job of the World Bank President. If you had that job today, what, you'd be, what would you do? I find that the, the World Bank uh, uh, over the years has done, has done a, a, a very good job. Uh, Stiglitz was a, was a professor of mine uh, and, and, and uh, you know, I was flattered when he uh, when when he came up with uh, with my name. I I I, uh, uh, I don't have uh, uh, I, I never thought of that as as a realistic uh, uh, situation, and and I and I have to say therefore that I don't quite have in my mind a uh, sort of a plan for the World Bank. But as a former customer of the World Bank, you know, having been in the government here in Brazil, I, I got a lot out of working with the World Bank. You know, there are things people talk about, quite a few things. I, I'm sure if, I, if you gave me enough time, I could come up with some suggestions. But on, on the whole, I think the World Bank plays an important role. In, and, uh, you know, it is constantly reinventing itself, and as it should be. And uh, the world is better off uh, with it uh, than without it. So. One final question. What would you say is the biggest leadership challenge that you ever ever faced? What, how did you overcome it, and what did you learn from it? Uh, you know, I, I always uh, thought of the times I spent in government as 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 uh, as wonderful times, tough times, often, and and and, and um, 
but situations that were largely dealt with by, by a group of people. And I was part of that group, so one of the, one of the leaders in the group, but not the only one. Um, and um, there have been quite a few, uh, let me think. Probably the toughest one was the, the, the last one, the, the transition from Cardozo to Lula and being part of that effort. There were moments there where it looked like we were getting a little too close to the edge. Uh, we often wonder, you know, how this is going to turn out uh, in the end. Um, and, and, and in that case, a good example. I mean, the, the, the solution came actually through through uh, more through the politics than than economics or finance. You know, I'm not a politician, but I was very involved in the in the discussions and trying to uh, get uh, the, the candidates uh, early on, and then. Um, Mr. Lula and his team uh, uh, up to speed on, 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 on what was going on and they, and, 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 um, they deserve actually most of the credit but you know I was glad to play a, to play a role uh, in that uh, in that regards there have been others other situations I could try to think through but I'm not uh, I, I don't see life as being one great drama after the other it's really not my style so I'm kind of shy to uh, try to think about an answer to this question. I just think you kind of wake up and try to do the best you can every day and let the chips fall where they do. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.